It's 10 past 8. My guest this evening, Mr. Francois Britz, one of the 10 speakers of the African Debate Championships, a graduate of the Free State's Law Faculty with an LOB. He's an analyst and a professional debate coach. This is as good a time to debate what I've just ranted about. I think appropriately in my view. Your thoughts, Brackenfell High School and the protest that took place there, specifically the point I addressed. Francois. Hi, Songheza. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, as I was thinking about it, I, I think it's always um, too harmful, as Pumla said, to look at the condemnation of it and how inadequate it has been in the past. It is almost a passing trend where there's an outcry in the media and then it is followed up by almost a lack of action. So as, as a broader point, we need to go back to where... The, where the unrest started, the protest already started last week after learners of color were excluded from a what can only be described as a matric dance event, even after the Department of Education had requested them not to engage in those events at that point. And um, obviously several parents uh, stood up against the, uh, the school and their actions and decided to protest this on behalf of their children. Um, the larger point that must be discussed is perhaps the stronger punishment and oversight that needs to be had over school administrators by the Department of Education. Um, at the moment, um, all we have is perhaps a slap on the wrist uh, to a certain headmasters by their immediate um, you know, superiors, uh, but we don't have any deterrent that stops these schools from acting in irresponsible manners, especially in the time of a pandemic. Um, I think the same can count for violence against women as well. Um, the deterrence that we have at the moment, the enforcement and then the follow-up through court procedures are just not adequate to deter people from actually committing these offenses in the first place. And that's why we're struggling to combat it um, as much as we are at the moment. We're taking your calls on Johannesburg 714-2006. I'm in conversation with Mr. Francois, with Mr. Francois Britz, who's an analyst and a professional debate coach, specifically focusing on what has taken place in Cape Town Brackenfell High School and the issues associated with there. We could talk about other things, but with your indulgence, please, let's just focus. I think what South Africa is a long overdue, at least discussion and a proper frank discussion. I specifically said, and this is what I want us to focus on in the voice notes, in the calls that come through, please. We saw a white man carrying a baseball bat in public, six foot in size, beating repeatedly in the presence of all and sundry, including the media, an African woman who was retreating non-threatening to her on her back and buttocks. Patriarchal violence and the inadequacy of condemnations. The last time we had a date and appointment, it was that conversation delivered by one of the eminent daughters on gender-based violence and patriarchal norms, a feminist of global repute in Pumla Dinewal Gola. Today, 9 November 2020, we are speaking exactly about that issue. We are taking your calls. So let's focus on, I respect everything you said in relation to that, but I specifically want you to focus on this. How offended sure, are you yeah. as a man? How offended are you as a South African citizen? If any, are you offended by the fact that you are now a white man and somebody does that in a South Africa that has such glaring racial issues that it has not yet attended to? Um, of course, yes. Um, this is a, a sore point. It is something that is difficult to digest. Um, the gender-based violence in South Africa, though, has become 
uh, endemic to our state. And I fear that we are reaching a point where many people are becoming desensitized to that sort of violence, where you know for a fact that there will be reports on it. We will maybe have an outcry or a protest. Uh, there are some videos on social media shared today about that violence, about people climbing in with fists. Um, you know, the man obviously arrested for discharging a gun in close quarters. And South Africans are so used to this violence, so used to the brutality that exists in the state, that I don't think it, for, of course, it, is, it, it rings quite true within myself. But I think the larger question is how... How far does that ring out to mm. the rest of South Africans and especially people who share the same identity as I do? Let's find out what they do indeed think. Let's take a couple of calls in this particular order. Aisha, Muzi, and one more to come. Aisha, good evening. Your 30 seconds start now. Shoot right good ahead. Good evening, Songezo. Uh Unacceptable. White privilege. Spoiled. Becky, uh, what's that, Minister of, of, of Police? Please get him in the studio so I can tell him what I think. He must act. He has to train his police. The police are racist. What were they doing? Were they standing there? Why did we fight apartheid if the whites can still do to our children what they did to us? And that didn't Schaefer. Of the of of basic uh, the the uh, education, the in my opinion, the Department of Basic Education who charged that colored guy for saying that he's an African, he should sue them. And 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 her response today on the afternoon program was unacceptable. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aisha. Let's go to Muzi. Hello. Indeed. Yeah, how are you, Sonjes? I'm well, how are you? Uh, I would like to add by two points only. What, what I've noticed today is that there are people who are allowed to to to, 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 to do things and it's acceptable. Like, uh, we are not concerned about the wrongness of the actions of the white people who do, who do edit those things in Cape Town. All we are concerned is that that actions was done to the EFF members. Then it is justifiable because in the eyes of the society, EFF is this person who is causing havoc, who is running amok in this country. The second part, the second thing that I wanted to add is that uh, there is inequality with regards to how the justice system, the media, and everybody covers this thing. You remember there was a match of BLF in Lutuli House where a, a guy by the name, I think it's Taban Sitona or Tabiso Sitona, kicked a woman mm-hmm. in front of the camera. Absolutely. And that, yes. And that was shown to by each and every white media, each and even now we still condemn him for that. And even if ANC took that person to 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 the police station, so he can hand himself over. But now today, nobody's saying anything. Why? Because it was done to a black EFF member. Thank you so much, Mama. I mean, thank you so much, Muzi. Appreciate your thoughts. We are taking more calls. Johannesburg, 714-2006. Do you want to narrate on any of the other issues in relation to Zuelim Keys and the Prasa corruption? President Ramaphosa's eminent address to the nation sometime this week. The question that his predecessor, albeit two, three persons removed, Tabo Mbeki, asking where the money for the economic recovery is going to come from. Danelle Arms Corps, more of the same in relation to the revelations coming from the Zonda Commission. Do you want to wing this one and just give us your opinions on any of these matters, Francois, as we look to get more calls?
Yes, absolutely. I, I think I want to start off with Israeli MTs there. Um, it is unfortunate, and it comes at a very difficult time, given that Zulim Tiz is supposed to be one of the three most trusted figures in South Africa at the moment, along with uh, President Ramaphosa and Minister Mboweni. Um, any sort of harmful um, detraction from his character is also a reflection of South Africa at this point, and also re- reflects an inability of people to be able to trust anything that comes from the health department. So, I, that is maybe an unre- seems to be unrelated at the moment, but does obviously spill over to the rest of South Africa. In terms of um, the COVID address, I think the biggest issue at the moment is that Europe is going back into a second lockdown. All over Europe, there's, there are increasing cases, increasing numbers of deaths, and South Africa's borders remain open. Um, the question is, and from many corners of the economic world, they're saying that we're not le- ready for another hard lockdown and the effects that it may have, but we may have to implement it, implement it with regards to travel, um, given that Europe is moving back into a you know, COVID red zone, as it were. Um, the Zona Commission has been quite interesting in the past week. Uh, obviously, the testimonies of Dudumeni and... Um, and others who have contributed to the, to the commission have been peculiar, to say the least. But uh, as we move forward with the now, there are various things that the SIU back in the day uh, under President Ramaphosa had investigated certain bursaries given to um, state official Sun. Uh, we're going to hear from a CFO and a CEO in the coming week, and it's likely to create even more shocking information based on any of the now dealing. Let's take some more calls. Selo in Mokopane, good evening. Some of the things for taking my call. <laughs> it is funny how <laughs> your guys is saying it. Correct me. He said Zodom Gize is the most trusted person in, as we speak. One of the I three. Mean, oh my goodness. Oh my lord. I'm, I'm sure he's not serious in that. Let me pack it there. I mean, that's <laughs> from the look. Um, Songezo, um, what happened in Cape Town this afternoon? It is a clear indication that racist racism in this country is alive, and whatever a black person tried to um eradicate that is going to be black them like the people who have been beaten up by colored people and white people and mind you those the EFF supporters they were in they were protesting peacefully so but if it is another way around EFF started the fight we will be exploding as usual but today did you see what the DA respond to such an incident calling EFF members as thugs as whatever they, they mentioned there. It is uncalled They forgot to, they took a picture of EFF people who are not fighting to put on their Twitter, but did not use that cease fight, that suckerish, that the white, that young white man. Solo, you are out of time. Let's move on, please. Let's go to Felix in Nelspreet. Thank you for taking my call. I, I just wonder when 
are we ever going to awake to our humanity? Are we so obsessed about being black or white that we just refuse to see our humanness? Let me repeat, not for the first time, that there is only one of it, and that is the human right. If anybody wants to, if anybody wants to organize the party, let them organize the party. Anybody can organize their own party for themselves. For as long as it's not the official school party, let the black organize their own party, let the white organize. What is the problem? Why must we fight over a party when people are supposed to be busy writing exams? I do not understand this, and I can never understand it. Because I have never called myself white or black. All I know is that I was born a human being, I'm living as a human being, and when I die, I will die as a human being. I do not know why anybody wants to be white or black. It is only on our humanness that we can solve the problem of this world. It is only on our humanness that we can correct the injustice of the past. Not white, not black. Just human. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's go to Nikita in Port Elizabeth. Thanks there, Felix. Nikita, good evening. Yes, hello, Putsangezo. You're talking to Nikita from Key, as you said. And this is my first time calling because this incident just made my blood boil. Thank you. Because I went, I saw, I saw two clips of this woman who is being beaten with a bat by this tall white male. And then again, the second clip was police officers trying to apprehend, and no quite sure what they're doing, and then being chaffed away by these white protesters. And this indicates a lot of things. One, the fact that there are places in South Africa where white people will try to protect with all their might. And the second thing is that how black women's bodies are still being trivialized, are still being offered at this altar of whiteness. And I'm just shocked at, well, I just saw this now when the show started, at how there's no uproar and how the how Debbie, uh, the MEC of Education, just completely sidetracked this issue of this black woman being attacked by this white man, and police officers just standing there, nothing. Because really it just shows again how trivialized and how reduced to nothing black women are in this country. And there's nothing you can excuse this. Well, this, this just gives an indication of the South, what South Africa is, really. The fact that it's still characterized by white secular colonial protection of their privilege and as much as black people may want to assimilate because really you can't Let's leave it there, but nonetheless, thank you so much, Nikita, and much appreciated for your calling us this evening for the first time on quite a touchy subject. Perhaps I propose this be the last caller from Pedi and Mushram Z. Hi, Bud, how are you? Well, sir, how are you? I'm good. Uh, my brother, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I don't understand the emphasis from yourself of a white man beating a black woman. We've got cases whereby there was no emphasis. For instance, not long ago, a woman, journalist, harassed by EFF members. There was no emphasis that a black man harassed a black journalist. There was a case of a youth league, ANC youth league, a march which was organized by Anil Mtikama. A woman kicked by that uh, uh, young black man. There was no emphasis that a black man kicked a black woman. It was a man kicking a woman. But in this case now, all eyes, because it's so generative, that a, a white man kicked 
a, a, a black woman. It's wrong. Let's look at cases. It's a man kicking. Because I just looked at the, 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 the video. I, I, I didn't see a, a black, uh, um, a white man there. Because it covered his face. It could be a colored or whatever. But now it's a black, a white man beating a black woman. That's wrong. Thank you. Thank you. Francois? Yeah, um, to, uh, a little bit of a mixed bag of commentary from the callers tonight. On the one hand, the fact that we shouldn't see race at all from one caller, and on the other hand, um, a description of why this violence is such a, is so noteworthy and should be called out by race. Um, just to say on, you know, the idea of one race, and that is the human race, the problem is that it oversimplifies the number of injustices that still exist in the country. You're talking to Felix um, now. Sorry? You're talking to Felix, the caller who raised that issue. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there are a vast number of reasons why you need to identify race in the project of trying to heal a country or trying to re- reverse those injustices. Part of it is due to the history and but, and the message that it carries with that individual. They may attach a lot of meaning towards their own race, what it means to be a black woman, what it means to be a black man, and similarly for a, for a lot of white people as well. Um, the question is not the labeling that often sets people off, but it's the fact that people do live in far too divergent camps in the world. We don't engage each other on social media as often as we think we should, we don't keep friends of the same, uh, of different races. We try and speak our languages only in our communities. And we don't interact with people in meaningful ways. Um, so, South Africa has always been a celebration of that diversity. What shouldn't happen is we shouldn't erase um, those things in the name of thinking, if there are no longer any labels such as black or white, suddenly the, those tensions will disappear because they won't. Those tensions are ultimately systemic and lie within most of the structures of South Africa. Um, I just want to come back to the point on Zuelim Kize from the first caller. Mm-hmm. I, I, in it, yes. Yes, yes. It's not that Zuelim Kize is the most trusted person. I, lo- I think the comment was that along with Tito Mwedi and Ramaphosa, they should be the most trusted people in South Africa at the moment. Anything that they say, any legislation they make, or is ultimately binding on the people and controls how people act. At the same time, when you're getting um, allegations that will probably be probed anyway, um, that decreases a lot of the trust that people have in the institution, especially when William Kiese allegedly got this money whilst in his position as Treasury General of the ANC. Uh, going to the ha- house of um, Maria Gomez and accepting um, these funds allegedly led to what was for many people the, the, the reason there was a collapse in Prasa in the first place. The fact that there was no control over procurement, no control over our state institutions. And if you're having a person that is so in- integral to the state institution of health at the moment involved mm. with corruption, it doesn't help for um, over, overall public perception of the institution itself. 
Final comment in relation to the economic recovery plan. I mean, you haven't mentioned something like it, but I just want you to say even a parting shot in relation to the economic recovery plan. Yes, it has been exhausted almost the point. But now, yeah, you have a former president saying what many South Africans have been asking. Where's the money going to come from? 30 seconds, your response? Well, the money is coming from loans from the IMF um, and from the World Bank. About 70 billion rand from the IMF alone. The interest that we're paying on this is reaching about one-ish percent, which is about 700 million rand annually. South Africa doesn't have the money to even service the debt. Um, and we're running out of money to even give people wealth, welfare through the UIF. I share the sentiments of Tabu Mbeki here. I'm not sure where the state is going to recover. And at the same time, how they're going to find money to finance the state infrastructure program under the Public Works Department. Fantastic. Mr. Francois Britz, much appreciated for your time. All right. That was the weekend wrap, but for the most part, it was a day's wrap. Brackenfell High School and all the issues that that matter raises as a parting shot. Indeed, I can only echo the sentiment of Francois, inasmuch as, of course, we do belong to the human race, truistic as that is. It cannot ignore the diversity and the lived experiences within the human race of the African people, of the white people, of the many hues that that human race is embedded with and endowed with which per se on its own is not at all an issue that ought to be condemned, our diversity. But when the experienced, live experiences of a particular class within that human race is the kind that which many Africans, for the most part, being South African, can tell, you cannot at all rely on that as a basic premise and point of departure when in condemnation of such violence that we all belong to the human race. And that lends itself to the point that Umzi raised. Yes, of course, perhaps you can even condemn me and I encourage you for that for noting my absence in condemning other things not to suggest at all that condemnation on its own is sufficient it sure is a start but when you contemplate everything else in the context of what South Africa is you cannot at all ignore what was flighted today on social media screens and television screens that the question and questions national questions on black and white issues in South Africa is both a time immemorial thing as, especially in the context of some of the divergent views that were expressed tonight, we can expect it to live for the time and for the time being and for the foreseeable future. 2034, after the break, we're talking about something completely different. Decent standard of living colloquium, Mr. Russell Wilderman and Mr. Trenton Elsley.